Well, good morning. Last night when the lights came up, I said, good evening. And man, that was weird because I'm used to saying good morning to everyone. But man, it was incredible. I, I appreciate everyone uh, who came out last night and I appreciate everyone who, had, who helped make last night happen and serve. And man, it's an exciting thing to make a transition like this because we know that God is doing, doing really, really awesome things. And I'm so glad that you're here this morning, glad you chose to come and worship with us, and I pray that if you have a, a hunter that's out, that he gets his trophy buck today, uh, he or she, so there you go, yeah. We've been talking uh, uh, about headlines for the past four weeks, and we were answering questions, and I had a lot of fun with that series, and I just pray that you all enjoyed that series as well, where we got to interact a lot more and you got to email questions in. But as I was praying about where we needed to go next with that headline series, it just was where I couldn't let this go, and I just felt like it was time to make a shift. And as a matter of fact, we even already had our headlines bulletin designed for this coming week, and we were just prepared to do headlines, and I asked Alyssa, who creates our bulletins, I said, would it be a big deal to change that design? She said, no, not at all, and I talked to Mike Tanakin, who does our stage design, I said, would it be a big deal to change this real quick? And uh, so everybody really came together and put all this together and, and, and made it happen, because I really feel very passionate about uh, this series, because what we're going to do over the next couple weeks is we're going to talk about how to take things that are seemingly complex and things that are seemingly screaming at us and that can just build up and, and we lose the basic function and the basic principles because we get so complex and take those things down and let's get to what I like to call the brass tacks. Let's get down to the real stuff that really matters. Let's get down to the core and focus on the things that are simple. Because in a world that's so busy, don't you think we could all use a little bit more simplicity in our lives? I mean, we could all use a little bit more simplicity. I mean, you think about all the gadgets that we have, the iPhones, the iPads, all of the, you know, things that are supposed to help make our lives easier when in fact it seems that they only make our lives more complicated, right? I remember there was a study done back in the 60s that said by the time we get to the year 2000, there's going to be enough labor-saving devices and things out there for us to where every person will only work six hours a week. How many of you guys are pulling that six a week? Yeah, not too many of you. Matter of fact, we're, uh, it seems that we're even more busy. I remember, any of you guys remember Palm Pilots? You guys remember? Let me see your hand. If you had a Palm Pilot, oh yeah, Palm Pilots rocked. They were awesome. Sync it up to your Outlook. I had a Palm Pilot, and I thought I was uptown. And, you know, we started off with our daytimers, then we upgraded to Palm Pilots, and now smartphones, and all these things that are supposed to make everything so simple. In fact, sometimes they make things very complicated because, you know, we get busy having to keep track of all of our apps and we have an app for this and an app for that. You know, we, it tells us when to eat, what to eat. It tells us how many calories are in it and tells us, oh, don't eat that. It tells us, oh, now it's time to go walk the dog and this is how far you've walked and it's tracking all these things that we can do and, and, and we can play Angry Birds and all these wonderful things, you know, because somebody's got to get those green pigs, those evil green pigs. They stole those eggs and they're going to pay. But these things that are supposed to make our lives so much easier sometimes make things real complex. It kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Times Square in New York. I don't know if you've ever been there or, you know, but surely you've seen pictures or you've seen it in, on television. And you see all of those crazy advertisements everywhere. If you're standing in the middle of Times Square and you're looking around, everything is just screaming for your attention. Everything is just screaming and trying to say, I'm the most important, I'm the most important. Everything is just screaming to get 
your attention, and it's hard to focus on just one thing. And sometimes I think that, you know, our lives can get like that, all these things that are screaming at us, but often we become very complicated as Christians. We get complicated with rules, we get complicated with religion, or even church can become a very complicated thing and very confusing. So here's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. I want to help bring clarity through God's Word to why we do what we do. Let's get it down to the brass tacks. Let's get down to the simple things that God has called us to do. Why do we do church? Why do we claim Christ? What's the purpose of us being a Christian? Is it just for us to be good people? Is it just because God said so and and I guess we're just supposed to do it and we don't really understand why we're doing it? I think that for us to really have a profound impact on the world that we're living in, we need to have clarity on the basic things of why we do what we do and who we're doing it for. Would you bow your head and pray with me this morning? God, I thank you so much for everyone that's come out to worship this morning in your house. And I just count it an honor and a privilege to be able to share your word with your people in this place. I pray that you would just anoint me to speak it with clarity and authority. I thank you, Father, that you would just uh, let me say only those things, Father, that you would desire for me to say. And I pray that the hearts and the ears of the people will be open and prepared to receive that word, that seed. And it would do something in their lives that would cause them to awaken, that would cause them to change, that would cause them to uh, regain passion or build upon their already existing faith, God, and only make them stronger and more solid to help us understand why you have called us here, why we do what we do and who we're doing it for. I thank you for the fruit from this message, for those results, for those lives changed, those hearts gripped by your love and your truth this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Also wanted to make available to you version. Just because we're not doing the headline series doesn't mean that we're not going to quit using this. We're going to do this from now on. So if you want to follow along on your iPhone or your iPad or your Android phone or whatever, you can download that app and follow along on, uh, on, on version as well. I want to start off with this, and I want you to write this down. Basic clarity equals profound impact. And if you're taking notes and you're wanting to write a sermon title in there, write down Why Church? We're going to talk about why do we do what we do. Basic clarity equals profound impact. I mean, when we really clear up some of these basic things, these basic things that you and I need to have understanding of, I believe that's going to help us to have a more profound impact. And we can see that all the way back to creation in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Genesis 1 and verse 1 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The, dar- the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, saw it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. I want you to think about this. Here in creation... The simplicity of creation, but yet we know that something so simple created something very complex. If God wanted to, don't you think that God is powerful enough to just be able to have done it all at once? I I I believe that he could. I don't think God had to do this in a process, but yet God chose to create the world in a process. He chose to do things in a sequence. And in that sequence that he chose, he did it in a very basic way. But yet, out of that basic sequence came something very complex. Think about us. When he created man, what did he choose to create man with? Dust. 
He said, okay, I'm going to take this dirt and I'm going to make a man. And look at how complex we are. Look at all of the things that, that make up human beings, but yet it was formed out of something very very simple. You see, so we can see in God's operation that something very complex in design is founded in simplicity. And I believe that he wants us as his church to be the exact same way. Because we don't have to have 20 different statements or 20 different programs about who we are to define who we are and what we're all about. I believe if we really focus on the things that God says are important and everything filters through that, then we're going to have a profound impact on the world that God has called us to reach. I believe that. You see, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were drenched in complexity because they thought, like many of us do, that complexity equals significance. A lot of us think that busyness equals significance. We think, oh, I'm busy. I don't have time for anything. I don't have time to talk to you. I don't have time to go and see you. I don't have time to stop and eat. I don't have time to get my oil changed. I don't have time to do this. All these different things we make excuses for because we get so stinking busy. And we think because we're busy that we're important. We think that because we're uh, doing a lot of things and our lives are very complex, that that equals significance. But folks, let me tell you, that's not the case. You look at even, even Apple products. Look at the iPod. Look at how the iPod operates. How many buttons does the iPod have on the actual device? One. It's got one button, but yet once you get into it, it's very complex. But the basic operation is very, very simple. Right there, you press that one round button, and then it pops up everything that you need. And folks, I believe that's how God is calling us to be because I see that in his word as part of his character as that he does very complex things, but the way he founds it and the way that he structures it is very simple. And you know, those religious leaders in Jesus's day, they wanted everything to be complex. They wanted it to be very, very difficult because they found pride in the fact that they could do all of these things that they were trying to force everyone else to do. And they, they thought that they were doing it right and everyone else was doing it wrong. And because of that, they were significant. And folks, we got to watch it in our own lives that we don't get caught up in the pride game, that we don't get caught up in this feeling like we're more spiritual or better than other people. A lot of times that's a big trap that you and I can get caught up in is the fact that we do all of these things. Oh, I go to church more than anyone else. I have more Jesus bumper stickers on the back of my car than anyone else. I have more Jesus t-shirts than anyone else. I wear cross jewelry more than anyone else and I'm super, super spiritual. We got to be careful that we don't do the same things that the Pharisees did, that we put ourselves in a position of feeling like we're better than other people. Amen, somebody. You see, here's the thing. Those Pharisees, those religious leaders, they were uh, holding to the, the law that God gave through Moses. And there were 613 laws. It's a lot of laws. 613 of these laws, there were 248 that were affirmative commands. And what the Jews believed is that every one of those, there was a command for every part of the body. And then there were 365 negative commands, one for every day of the year. 
And those were the 613 laws. And here's what those religious leaders would do in their complexity. They would take those 613 laws and they would spend all of their time debating which one was the most important. They would spend all their time debating on which one was the most significant and how they were right in their interpretation of how it was significant. So they would take this one law that that they would try to tell everyone else, this is what you need to do, but this is how I interpret it. So this is point A of this law. And then off of point A, there is this Roman numeral one. And then there's Roman numeral two and Roman numeral three. And they begin to add all of these things to the law, their own interpretation, and they would teach it to other people. And they would do it in a way that I can keep this. So I'm so spiritual because of what I can do and you're not because you can't keep all of these laws And they would put that off on the people and they thought that because they could hold these laws up That that equaled their significance as a matter of fact each rabbi each teacher Would consider their interpretation of the law. They would call it their yoke That was the thing that they would actually, that that teaching that they would put on those who were their apprentices or those that they would mentor. And that yoke, they would actually take that yoke upon them of their teacher. And that meant they would take that interpretation of the law that that particular person taught, their doctrine, their dogma, the way that they viewed that law, the way they viewed all 613 of those laws. And they would try and strive to live their lives just like their teacher. And do you remember when Jesus said something about his yoke? What did he say about it? He said that my yoke is what? Easy and my burden is light. He said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, Jesus was telling those Jewish people that he was talking to that listen, I'm not like these other religious leaders that's trying to get you to hold all of these things of the law because if you try to hold all of these things of the law, even if you do every one of them, it doesn't make you right with God. You see, sometimes, folks, we get so wrapped up in trying to do all of the right things that we don't focus on the basic, simple things in life. We don't focus on the basic, simple things that God has called us to and allow the fruit to come out of the focus on those basic things. We get caught up in trying to do all the other things right. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Jesus brought clarity to these 613 laws in Matthew chapter 22. Because these same guys that spent all of their time debating these laws and trying to make themselves feel important and significant, they came to Jesus with a question. Matthew 22 and verse 34 says, But when the Pharisees heard, Jesus was talking to uh, the Sadducees and he had silenced them. So when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. A lawyer, an expert in the law. An expert in the law thought, okay, I'm going to figure out, you know, uh, what's really going on in Jesus' head. I'm really going to try to get him to stumble or slip up because that's what we do with all of our time. We debate which one of these laws is the most important and the most significant. And we argue these things and we try to put that off on other people and put ourselves up because we're so righteous because we can hold all of these things in the law. But this is what happened in this circumstance. Verse 35, this lawyer asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which one's the best? In other words, the thing that we sit around all day and do, we want to hear your thoughts on this. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second one's like it. You shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. Then verse 40, he really blows their mind because Jesus said, on these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. In other words, Jesus really messed up their little world and all of their debating and all of their arguing and all their prioritizing by saying, listen guys, if you just do these two things, everything else will be taken care of. You know, when you love your neighbor as yourself, you don't have to worry about thou shalt not kill. Because if you love your neighbor as yourself, that'll take care of that. Right? You see, if we truly love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, we don't have to worry about adultery or infidelity because we're loving God. And we're prioritizing the things that He wants in our lives out of our love and our obedience for Him. You see, out of those two things, Jesus said, hangs all the law and all the prophets, all of your squandering, all of your prioritizing, all of your debating of importance. If you will just focus on these simple principles, if you will just focus on these basic two things, then everything else in your life is going to stem out of that. And you will fulfill all of those other little pieces and parts of the law that you've tried to put up so high because see here's what the pharisees did they spent all their time debating all of these things and they lost sight of the one who gave the laws and a lot of times if we're not careful we can get so complex in our christianity we can get so complex in our own self-righteousness that we're doing the same thing that the pharisees and sadducees were doing we lose sight of the one who gave the laws we lose sight of the one who died for us on the cross because we're too busy trying to make ourselves feel like we're better than everyone else because we're so holy and righteous and everyone else is such a sinner. Folks, we've got to be careful. We've got to make sure that we're living our lives to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Can I get an amen, somebody? So let's move on in this. Write this down. Why do we do what we do? If we're going to strip all the complexity, if we're going to strip all of the busyness, because we know busyness doesn't equal significance, if we're going to strip all that, and we're going to get down to the brass tacks of this thing and make it simple, just like Jesus took all of those 613 laws and made those simple, why do we do what we do? Why do we have church services? Because we're supposed to... Why do we come early and stay late? Because Jesus likes it when we do. Why do we serve in different areas of the church? Why do we sing songs together? Why do we exist as a local church? What's the purpose? What's the simple answer to why we exist? Folks, if we're going to have a profound impact on this world that God has called us to, it's not going to be through us figuring out all of our complex things and trying to be the most complex and busy church in town because that doesn't equal significance. The thing that's going to help us to make a profound impact as a body, as a church, that God has called us to be is by us focusing on the simple things that God has called us to. Amen? So if you've got your Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 11, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. He's trying to clarify some things for him, trying to bring some clarity. And this is what he said, Ephesians 4 and verse 11. 
And he, talking about Jesus, himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Somebody say growth. Somebody say edify. All right, I want you to think about this. Growth, edify. We see the basic functions of the local church here in Ephesians chapter 4. Because the first thing we see here is that God wants us to be equipped in verse 12. Equipped for what? For the work of ministry. God wants us to be equipped to do His work in this place, in this arena, but also in our everyday lives. You see, God wants us to take what's been invested and deposited in us and do something with it. Isn't that a profound statement? (laughs) He wants us to take what's been given and actually do something with it where it will have an impact on someone else's life as well as having an impact on ours. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says that therefore we're ambassadors of Christ. The Bible says we're actually representatives of Jesus Christ here on the earth. And we have to be equipped to do that work that Jesus has called us to do. So we're gathering together, not only just to fellowship, not only just to hear a message, but we're actually being equipped for the work of the ministry. Now, in verse 16, I had you say the word grow and the word edify. Now, I want you to understand here that when this was written in the original Greek, that word um, grow actually means numbers. That means numerical growth. So it is a biblical thing for a church, for God's body, for his church to grow numerically. God wants more souls to come into the kingdom. He wants to see more people discipled. He wants to see more people in his family. Amen. Somebody. A lot of times we have this hard thing uh, because of the stigma that's been created. Oh, pastors have tried to make, you know, church all about the numbers and all that thing. And there are times where people get way out of balance and they get so focused on numbers. And folks, it's not all about numbers, but numbers are important. Numbers are important because numbers of how many people are going to heaven versus hell, that's kind of important to God, don't you think? But that, he didn't stop there. He didn't say that's all it's about. He didn't say it's all about growing. He didn't say it's all about the growth numerically. He also said, and for the edifying of itself in love. Now that word edify is talking about internal. It's talking about us internally growing. So get this. God desires for his church, his body, to grow in numbers and in individual strength. That means he wants us as believers, in, as a part of his church, to grow ourselves and to be growing individually as well as numerically. That's what he wants us to do. That's part of this equipping the saints for the work of the ministry because he wants us to grow in understanding of who he is and how to apply the word and how to live our lives victoriously, how to live our lives in a way that we're loving him, that we're putting him first and that we're truly being an example to the world. But also he wants us to be equipped to go out and to reach others and to bring them into the family of God. And that's what he's called us to do. 
That's why we've been equipped for the working of the ministry. And that's why those five-fold ministry offices are called to do what they do. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, look in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. The Bible says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. He said, now listen, don't not come to church. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because you need one another. The reason you need one another is to be able to stir one another up to be able to sharpen one another, to be able to help one another grow in this journey. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to grow in numbers, but he wants us to grow in sharpening one another. He wants us to grow in us being able to edify the whole body and being able to grow internally and individually so we can have a greater impact for his kingdom. You see, we're gathering together to be equipped to grow and impact this world as our lives are being impacted. God is calling us to grow in our understanding of who he is. He wants us to sharpen one another to expand his kingdom agenda by us growing in number as well. And I want you to write this down because I want us to really get this. And we've said it before about what we're about here at Word of Grace and what God has called us to do. We're called to love God love people, and serve the world. We're called to love God, love people, and serve the world. In the book of John, and in the 13th chapter, Jesus says this to his disciples. John 13 and verse 35 says, By this all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. By this... All men are going to know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. He said, this is the most simplistic way that I can communicate to you that people are going to be able to identify that you are one of my disciples. Now, Jesus didn't say, people are going to be able to tell you're my disciples because you can quote the entire Bible. Did he? There's nothing wrong with being able to do that. But he said, that's not how people are going to know. He said that people are are not going to be aware that you're a follower of me, that you're a disciple of me because of all the awesome bumper stickers you have on your car. You even have that awesome Word of Grace logo on your window. Wink. That you can get at guest services after service today. That's not how people are going to know. People aren't going to know because you walk around with spiritual mannerisms all the time. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. How are you today? Praise the Lord. I'm doing great. Amen. People aren't going to know that you're a follower of Christ because you can never take a bath because you're always walking on water. And I just can't get in the bath every, every time. It's ridiculous. I just stand there. Honey, will you get in here? Will you look at this? I'm just so spiritual. That's not how people are going to know. Because you're walking on cloud nine all the time and you're always happy, happy, happy. All the time. That's not how people are going to know you're Christian. How are you going to know? What's going to be the defining mark? 
Is it going to be your t-shirt? Is it going to be your cross necklace? Is that how people are going to know? You're an undercover Christian. Is that how people are going to know? Listen, Jesus said that the love that you're going to have for one another is going to be so significant that people are going to know that you're different, that you're just not a regular Joe, that there's something special about you that's going to set you apart. That's how significant this love is going to be. But Jesus said something so basic, something so simple. If you have love for one another, people are going to know you follow me. That's going to be the calling card. That's what's going to be the thing that's going to make, make them say, oh, I want that. I want that life. I want that type of relationship. I want that type of life because that love that you have, that love that you have, that love that you have for God, that love that you have for people, that love that you have to serve. You see, it's out of our love for God. It's out of that overflow of the understanding of his grace and love for me that causes me to love other people. And that's what lets them know that I belong to him. I'm talking about real love. I'm talking about genuine concern where we really care about people. Does anyone know what I'm talking about this morning? You see, I'm talking about really caring about others. This is the most important, simplistic way to define what we're called to do. And before we can truly, genuinely, authentically love people, we first have to love God. Now, one of the ways we accomplish this as Word of Grace as a church is by worshiping God together and by growing in our desire for more of Him. We grow in understanding of who He is by hearing His Word taught and by having our faith stirred. That's one way that we accomplish that here by loving God, by pointing everyone to him, by stirring up their heart, by stirring up their desire for more of him, to grow deeper in his word and grow deeper in understanding of who he is, to want more of God and to worship him in spirit and in truth with freedom, to live our lives in a way where we just want to get close to the Father because of our love for him. And it's out of that love It's out of that understanding of his grace, out of that understanding of his forgiveness, out of that understanding of his compassion that he had for me when he sent his only son to die on the cross, out of that love that he had for God so loved who? The world. Not just a few, not just the people that were the star students with the gold stars by their name. No, God loved the world. He loved everyone. Guess what? Everybody is everybody. I used to do that in youth group. Some nights we'd have low attendance, and we were about to start praising worship, and one of the kids would shout out, where's everybody at? So we're talking about everybody is everybody. That doesn't make any sense at all. Everybody is everybody. Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus died for everybody. He died for everyone. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how good or bad you think you are. He died for you. And out of that love that he had for the world, he gave. And out of that love that we have for him, it causes us to emulate his character and give and love people. He's called us to love people by developing relationships and connecting with other believers, showing them that we genuinely care. The only way we can do this is if we love God, though. The only way we can really genuinely do that. Aren't you ready for some real folks? I mean, aren't you looking for people who are real? Isn't that who you want to hang out with? 
I mean, I don't want to hang out with a bunch of fake people that are just going to tell me what I want to hear. That's not real friends, right? I want to hang out with people who genuinely love me, who genuinely care, and don't just say it. Because anybody can say it. Any church can say we love people. We can make it a nice slogan that we put on a t-shirt, which you can get at guest services. Anybody can put it on a t-shirt. Anybody can put it on a bumper sticker. Anybody can flash that on their website. But the proof's in the pudding, right? It's the real deal. Do we really love people? Do we really love God? Do we really love God? Because if we love God, if we really mean that when we say that, then it's going to cause us to love people. I mean, you, you know, you, you think about something as simple as welcoming other people here at the church. Something as simple as opening the door and welcoming someone to church. You know how profound that is in someone's life? You don't know what someone walked through the door carrying. You don't know the burdens and the troubles that they may be facing when they walk out of those doors. You don't know the challenges that they may have walked in here with. But because we chose to love them out of our overflow of our love for God, we love people. It causes them to feel welcome. It breaks down that awkwardness. It breaks down the fear because all of a sudden they felt warm and they felt welcome. You know, asking people's names. One of the things that I like to do is I like to ask people, how long have you been at Word of Grace? You know, that's a great way to talk to someone. Hey, how long have you been at Word of Grace? And you may find out it's their very first time or you may find out they've been here 20 years. And that's a great way to love on people, to let them know that you genuinely care. When you hear someone's going through trouble, check up on them. If you see a friend of yours that you haven't seen for a while and you're wondering what's going on in their life, ask them. Try to find out what's going on because you never know what someone's dealing with. And if we really love God and if we really want to serve Him and live for Him, it's going to cause us to love other people. Folks, I don't want it to just be about words. I remember when we were pastoring a church that we planted in Texas and we had a big ministry to homeless people there. I mean, we reached a lot of homeless people. And um, my, my red minivan was the homeless van. I mean, <laughs> we would pack homeless people out in that van. There was such a huge need in Texas there where we lived in Texarkana was the name of the town. There's such a huge need for ministry to homeless people. Matter of fact, they had a, uh, uh, they had a homeless shelter there. And the homeless shelter would sleep about 350 people. And every night it was packed out. Every night of the week. And there were still homeless people. You could see them under bridges. You could see them at bus stops. You know, just all throughout the night. It was crazy. Like when it got dark, it's like there were just homeless people all over the place. During the day, they would all congregate in the library. And it was just a lot of homeless people. So we felt compassion to love those people. Now, we weren't the only church in town that had ministry to homeless people. Lots of other churches did. Matter of fact, we had a guy in our church. His name was Danny. Called himself Dan the Man. Danny was 50 years old. He was about six foot five and skinny as a rail. And Danny knew what church had what meal on what day, and he made his rounds. He said, I can go to the Catholic church on Monday because they serve sandwiches. I can go to the Methodist church on Tuesday because they serve uh, donuts in the morning, and I can walk over here. And then when in between to make sure that when the churches didn't have meals available and outreaches available, he said, I can go to the laundromat. I know how to ask for quarters in English, Spanish, and Chinese. And I can go up to the laundromat, and I can ask for quarters, and I'll get enough quarters, walk over to the burger joint, and I'll get me a hamburger 
because I know I can go there and get a burger. It costs me a dollar thirty-six cents. It's only a dollar thirty-six cents. If I can just get a dollar thirty-six, and that's what he'd say that kind of stuff all the time. He knew how to work it. He knew everywhere to go. Now, there's a lot of people that can do a lot of good things, and folks, we can do a lot of good things as a church. There's a lot of good things we can do. A lot of things we can do to be complex to try to reach as many people and show them that we love them and all these different things. But let me tell you, when Danny started coming to our church, we really started getting involved in his life. I took him out for his birthday. Matter of fact, I was able to celebrate his 50th birthday with him. Took him to a nice restaurant. I used to take him out to eat when I'd see him on the street or he would get a quarter or something or be able to borrow someone's phone and he would give me a call sometimes. I would try to find him little odd jobs and things like that. But we took a genuine interest in Danny. And we began to love on him and accept him for who he was. And we just treated him like everybody else. And one Sunday, I was preaching. There probably wasn't 15 people there in, in our little church. We met in a barbecue restaurant. And uh, they were closed on Sunday. And so we were, we were having our church there in a barbecue restaurant. And, and, and Danny raises his hand. And I'm in the middle of my sermon. And I thought, oh boy. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. But we'll find out. And I looked at Danny. I said, yes, sir. I said, do you have something to say, Danny? He said, yeah, I do. If you don't mind, I'd like to say something. Okay. Sure. So Danny stood up and he said, I want you people to know something. He said, when I come here to this church, he said, out of all the other churches, he said, that I visit and go see and go get things from he said, when I'm at this church, he said, I don't feel like I'm homeless. He said, I feel like I'm just a regular person. He said, and I appreciate that. And he sat down. Folks, that's the real genuine love I'm talking about. I'm talking about real love where you don't just say it. And we don't just try to give someone something to pass them along and get them out of our way. Or we don't just try to answer that phone and just, just so we can tell that person what they want to hear so we can get off the phone with them where we don't just smile at that person because we know we're supposed to, but we do it because we really love one another. I mean, where we really talk to one another, where we really get to know one another. Don't you think that's important? I think it's important. So let's get weird. You ready? I'm going to put 60 seconds up on the clock, and I'm going to give you a challenge. During this next 60 seconds, I want you to go find someone in this church that you do not know. And I want you to ask them their names. Your heart's beating fast now. Are you ready? Next 60 seconds, go find one person you do not know. And I want you to ask them their name. And I want you to get that name locked in. Because here's what you're going to do. After service, wait just a minute. After service, I'm going to give you homework. I want you to go find that person. Once the service is concluded, and I want you to go ask that person what's their Word of Grace story. Ask them how they came to Word of Grace. You may find out it's their first time here. You may find out they've been here since the church was founded. You may find out all kinds of things and get to know that person. Just ask them that one question. Ask them what's their name. Go find that person's name. And then afterwards, after church, find what their story is. Ready? Go.
You can sit back down. Wasn't that fun? There you go. By welcoming others. You, you see, folks, listen. Loving people is what God has called us to do out of our love for Him. You see, when people's lives and eternity is at stake, don't you think that loving people should be a very, very, very important thing to us? Don't you think we should take loving people very, very seriously when eternity is in the balance? Isn't eternity worth it? Right? Isn't eternity worth it? You see, when people's lives and eternity is in the balance, we should take loving people very seriously because you never know where someone is and you never know what they're dealing with. Our welcome to others, just something that simple as our welcome to other people, helps to plow the ground for them to receive what God has for them. I'm talking about important kingdom stuff, being kingdom-minded. You see, our love for God and people causes us to have compassion to serve. It causes us to have compassion to give. I want you to write that down. That's your last point this morning. Our love for God and people causes us to have compassion to serve. You see, we love God first. We put Him first. And out of our love for Him comes that love for other people. And we love other people because we love God. And because we love people, it causes us to do something. It causes us to have the compassion to get beyond what's comfortable and to reach out to someone, even if you don't know their name, even if you don't know who they are. You know, Jesus reached out and he touched a leper. Do you remember that story in the Bible? Leprosy was a highly contagious disease. It was very prevalent. Matter of fact, when you would catch it, if you would even touch someone who had leprosy, you had to go live among the lepers. And they had colonies of those lepers that would live. And when they would walk around the streets, they would have to yell out, unclean. So you would know to stay away because they're highly contagious. And this disease would cause their flesh to rot out, off, would cause them to die eventually, live miserable lives. And Jesus reached out and touched the guy. Do you think Jesus could have just spoke the word and healed the leper? Do you think Jesus could have just said, Hey, leper, back there, 100 yards. Be healed. Because you remember the story where the centurion came and said, My servant's sick. And he didn't even bring the servant. He just said, Just say the word and he'll be healed. Do you remember when Jesus did that? So, of course, Jesus had the authority to be able to just speak the words and heal the leper, but Jesus chose. It's very interesting to watch throughout the Scripture what Jesus chose to do because everything he did was on purpose and for a purpose. Jesus reached out and touched the leper. He touched someone that no one else had touched in a very long time that wasn't sick. How long had it been since that man had ever felt the touch of another human being? And Jesus reached out and touched the guy. What drove him to do that? His compassion. Compassion will drive you to do something for someone who is in need. Someone who may be down on their luck or may be hurting, maybe needing a friend, maybe just needing someone to smile and welcome them, be friendly to them, ask them their name, ask them their story about how they came to Word of Grace. Something that simple. I'm talking kingdom impact stuff. It causes us to serve. Matter of fact, Mark 10 and 45, Jesus said that the Son of God did not come to this earth to be served, but rather he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, I didn't come here to have the red carpet rolled out for me, but by all means, shouldn't Jesus have had the red carpet rolled out for him? 
I mean, the King of kings and Lord of lords, should he not have been treated better than anyone else? But he didn't ask for that. Matter of fact, the Bible says sometimes he didn't even have a place to lay his head. Born in a manger, he wasn't born in some palace. Born out where you feed your animals and keep your animals. That's where Jesus was born. He didn't come asking for the red carpet. He said, I'm not here to be served. Jesus said in Mark 10, 45, I've come here to serve. And because of Jesus' example, you and I can look at his compassion and love for others that caused him to give his life on the cross, that caused him to serve. And you and I understand that we're not here to be served, but we're here to serve. Amen, somebody. You see, we serve by giving ourselves because we understand we're people of purpose. We understand we're a church of purpose. We're a church that loves God, loves people, and serves the world. You see, now that we have three services, it gives us even more opportunity to serve God by serving others. Because when we serve, you're ministering by increasing availability to reach more souls for the kingdom of God. That's what you're doing. You know, anybody can fill a slot. Anybody can just fill a job. But that's not what we're asking. That's not why we're clarifying these simple things and clarifying our purpose so we can all just fill a slot and just go, oh boy, I'm glad that we don't have to worry about that. No, I'm talking about you doing something that matters for the kingdom of God. Even when you serve in nursery, when you serve in nursery with excellence, you afford a mother and a father the opportunity to hear the word of God. And that child gets to spend time with somebody who's going to love them and sing over them and teach them. Teach them something that's truth, something that's love, something that's God's word. You see, when you open the door and you welcome someone, you begin to prepare the hearts of people to receive the word of God. Something that simple can have such a profound impact because we understand we're not just doing this because it needs to be done. We're doing it because we're kingdom-minded, because we have God's agenda at the forefront and we've clarified it. We're not just going to get complex and do all these complex things for complexity's sake, but everything that we do, everything that we say, every program, everything we have here as a church, every step forward we make, we're going to filter through the thing. Is it, is it loving God? Is it loving people? And is it serving the world? Because that's what we're called to do. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto you. He just got through saying earlier, he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. He said, don't seek after all of these things. He said, seek after the kingdom of God. In other words, put God's agenda ahead of your own. Put God's agenda of loving people ahead of your own agenda. Put God's agenda of serving others ahead of your own agenda. And if we serve with that kind of passion, if we serve with that kind of purpose, that basic clarity is going to cause us to have a profound impact for the kingdom of God. That's why we do church. That's why we gather. That's why we do this week after week. That's why we do what we do throughout the week. Oh, what? Throughout the week? Some of you guys thought I just spoke on Sunday morning and that's all I did, right? I was joking about that with a couple earlier today. This is kingdom stuff, though. This is about the kingdom of God. There's nothing more important than us doing his kingdom work. It's not our agenda. It's God's agenda. It's God's agenda of loving him, loving people, serving the world. It's why we do what we do. It's why we come. It's why we give. It's why we love. It's his kingdom come. His will be done on this earth in Sheboygan Falls, in our area, in our sphere of influence, where he's called us to be. 
His kingdom come, His will be done on this earth in this time, in this place, as it is in what? As it is in heaven. You see, I want to encourage you today to get to know somebody, to talk to somebody you don't know. Look at opportunities to serve and get plugged in. Get plugged into serving others. Plugged into purpose by giving back. Get a volunteer app at guest services. Let me tell you, last night at our Saturday service, when I dismissed and people went to go get volunteer apps, we ran out. We ran out because people caught the vision, because people caught the fact that we're not just doing this to do it, to come here week after week. We have a purpose, and it's a kingdom agenda, a kingdom purpose. People caught the vision, and they ran out, and they snatched up those applications and said, I want to serve because of my love for God and my love for people. Not because we're promoting any man's agenda, but we're promoting God's agenda. Folks, let me tell you, basic clarity is going to have a profound impact on the kingdom of God. Amen, somebody. You see, here's the thing. We need to move forward with simple clarity. We need to move forward understanding who He is, His grace, His love, His compassion for us. And with that simple clarity... Let that make a profound impact for his kingdom. Would you bow your heads this morning? If you're here in this place and you say, Pastor Derek, I heard you talking about compassion. I heard you talking about serving. I heard you talking about how Jesus died on the cross and loves me. And I need to know that love. And this morning, I'm ready to give my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, you're here in this place. You said, Pastor, I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to simply let me know you're here by raising your hand and putting it back down. Would you raise your hand? Pastor, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I see that hand. I see those hands. You can put your hands down. I see your hands. Anyone else in this place? Thank you, Jesus. More importantly than me seeing your hands, God sees your hands. And God knows. God knows where you're at. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're going through. And He wants to meet you right where you're at. He wants you to come into His family today like never before. So church, would you help me out this morning by saying this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. And I choose to follow you. I choose to make you the leader of my life, to make you Lord of my life, to be my Savior, to forgive me of all my sins, and to make me new. I believe that what you did on the cross was good enough to make me right in the eyes of God, and I trust in you alone. Come into my heart and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you look up here? If you said that prayer today, I'll...